I love, I love singing songs of praise with you and gathering together with you. It's so good, sweet. It's one of those times when we've just had this sweet time of worship and I have a very light opening and so I've got to figure out how to make that transition. <laughs> Okay, I'm just going to do it. Um, <laughs> I don't know what kind of um, genres of movies you like, um, but, but one of the kind of very specific genre of movies that I like is um, ones that are set in like the medieval times, you know, knights and castles and no working plumbing, you know, I mean... <laughs> That, that era, I, I love movies of that era, and my favorite movie uh, of that you know, kind of genre is now almost 30 years old. It's a movie called First Night. How many of you, just out of curiosity, 30-year-old movie here, how many of you have seen this movie? Wow. I don't know whether to say an old people joke right now or what, but that's awesome that you've seen that movie. Um, so if you have not, or if you have, let me, let me remind you in the movie, Lancelot, played by Richard Gere, is this, uh, this sort of wanderer. He's this skilled swordsman, and, and he sort of wanders from town to town where he fights for money, right? That's kind of how he earns his living. And uh, he, gets, he comes to Camelot, and he's drawn there uh, by Princess Guinevere. And Lancelot finds himself in the middle as he walks into town of this big celebration. Um, they've set up this gauntlet, and people try and try and try to run through the gauntlet. And he goes through it, and he does so successfully. It's filled with swinging boulders and axes, and somehow he makes it through. And King Arthur, played by Sean Connery, is uh, he, he's impressed by Lancelot, and, and he... He comes to him and he asks him, how did you do it? And his answer was, well, fear caused others to fail, but uh, I have nothing to lose and so I have nothing to fear. He walks with the king and King Arthur begins to tell Lancelot of Camelot's values. And he says, here we believe that every life is precious, even the lives of strangers. And if you must die, die serving something greater than yourself. Better yet, live and serve. They enter this room that contains the legendary round table. And the king tells him that the table has no head and no foot. And everyone sitting around the table are equal, including the king. And he then shares the heart, the purpose of Camelot. Afterwards, he invites Lancelot to stay, to live for a purpose that's greater than himself. Lancelot responds, I, I think I would rather just go where chance takes me. And as he leaves, King Arthur says, Lancelot, just a thought. Or just a thought. as good as it gets. Um, he says, a, a, a man who fears nothing is a man who loves nothing. And if you love nothing, then what joy is there in your life? 
It's kind of the end of that scene. Lancelot was a man without a purpose, right? And that day, a vision was cast before him of a different kind of life, of a life of meaning and of purpose that was beyond himself. And I believe that every single one of us, that's a movie, but I think every single one of us needs purpose. And we need to understand what that purpose is. Otherwise, we end up just sort of randomly wandering through life, never quite knowing whether we're closer to or further away the reason that we are here. And I believe that there is a reason created by God why we are here. And it's not just individuals who need purpose. It is groups of people. It is organizations that need purpose as well. In fact, there was a sign that was posted on the storefront of a little store in New York, and it read this. Gone out of business, didn't know what our business was. Gone out of business, didn't know what our business was. And sadly, I think that there are many churches who could post a similar sign. Closed our doors, didn't know why they were open. And we are not going to be one of those churches because we do have a purpose, one that has been given to us by Jesus himself. This is why you exist. This is your purpose, not just individually, but corporately as my people. This is your purpose and your mission. And today I want to remind us of what that mission is and what our vision is here at Smoky Point. The mission and the vision that God has given us right here at Smoky Point. We need to be reminded of it often so that we don't forget what we are ultimately to be about. So that we don't one day just close our doors and say, we forgot why we had them open in the first place. And my prayer is this. That we will clearly see God's purpose, his mission for our lives. And that we will participate in it passionately that we will know it and we will engage in the mission that God has for us. And I believe this, and I have been praying this passionately for a long time now, that God wants to renew and revive his people and that he wants to do a new work in and through his church. And the question is, will you and I engage in God's mission as participants or as spectators? That's the question. What I'm trusting is this. I am trusting that I'm trusting God for a future where his church rises in faith and obedience to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. According to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I'm praying for that to be a reality in our lives, in our church. I want to see God do something new in me. And I want to see him do something new through me. And I want, him to, see, I want to see him do something new in you and through you. And I want to see him do something new in us. And through 
us together. I have been praying. I have been praying for a fresh move of God. One that this nation has not experienced in a long, long time. If you look throughout church history, there are periods of time when you see God just do something new and fresh. Oftentimes people refer to it as a renewal or a revival of God's people, of God's church. And it seems to have gone throughout church history. These major times of movement of God has happened about every 500 years throughout the history of the church. And we are overdue for a fresh move of God. And I believe not only do we need it, but that God can and wants to do it. So, I think we better be clear about the mission that God has called us on then. So what is God's mission, his purpose for Smoky Point Community Church, right? Well, our mission is built around three key relationships. Relationships that we see in Scripture, even more specifically, relationships that we see Jesus living out as an example for us. And the first and most critical relationship that we see in Jesus' life and one that we need to emulate is an up relationship with his Father. An up relationship with his Father. The way we've phrased it here, because we have kind of a, a, a mission statement, if you will, as a church, the way we've phrased it in our mission statement is this. We exist to exalt God. Just simply that. We exist to exalt God. We are here to make much of God. That is ultimately our purpose as individuals and as his church is to make much of God, to exalt him. Psalm 34, verse 1, I love this. It says this. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Psalm 115.1 says this, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. This is central to who we are as a church. Our highest purpose, our highest purpose is to exalt his name together. That's why we exist. In fact, everything else that we do as a church is all about that. Any program we have, any time we gather, anything we do, it is all ultimately for the purpose of exalting God, making much of him together. Celebrating our up relationship. Celebrating the fact that we can have an up relationship with God and that that up relationship is intended to lift him up and to exalt him and make much of him. So let me ask you a question. How are you personally engaged in our up mission, right? Because if, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have been called to this. And so my question is, how are you participating in that aspect of the mission up 
in your relationship with God, in making much of him, in, in, your, in your home life, in, in your work life, in, in the times when you gather together with other Christ followers? How are you personally engaged in the up mission? There are many ways in which we can live lives that exalt God, that make much of him. Um, one of those ways that I know that many of us enjoy and love and, and there's just something special about is what we were just doing together is we were singing songs, like lifting up and exalting God. And I love that when we do that, you know, corporately together in this place. But this is not the only place or the only time to be able to do that. I had, I had a very sweet experience this last week. Stacy and I were teaching a seminar here to some of our leaders um, called Recognizing God's Voice. And... Um, and, and uh, towards the end of our first night on Wednesday night, um, we, we had talked about this. We had practiced some different things r- related to listening to God's voice. And then there, I mean, there, there, was, and there was like 18 of us. And we gathered right here at the front. And we were just gathered around in a circle. And there was no band. <laughs> I, I played a song on my phone. Uh, 10,000 reasons. And, uh, and we, just the few of us in this room, began to sing out, and this room was just filled with the voices of exalting God, and it was so sweet. It was so sweet. By the way, a little plug. In January, we're going to be teaching that seminar again and opening it up uh, to, to you, to anyone who wants to be a part of that, so I hope uh, that some of you will take advantage of doing that. The other thing I want to plug as well, uh, you heard Kaylee talk about earlier after she made fun of me for dropping my water, um, <laughs> is, um, is that this coming Tuesday, so just in a few days, this coming Tuesday night, we're going to gather in this place. If you want to come at 6 o'clock and bring some dinner and sit around some tables and eat and connect with people, do that. And then at 6.30, we're going to have about an hour of worship and praise and prayer together. And I just want to invite you to come and be here and be a part of that. Because it will be sweet. It's part of our purpose. It's part of our mission. Our second relationship is in with one another. This sort of makes up our purpose given to us by God, our in relationships with one another. Throughout Scripture, we are called to engage in relationship with one another in the body of Christ. Now, I want to say something about this because I grew up, I don't know if you did, but I grew up um, in sort of an era where I heard a lot about the idea that this relationship with Jesus is personal, right? It's, it's a personal relationship. I heard that all the time when I was growing up. And I understand that it was sort of in response to a generation before me who had maybe turned this into sort of like duty or it's just sort of like everybody believes this. And so there was an emphasis on, no, wait a second, this relationship is personal, But unfortunately, that message, your relationship with Jesus is personal, began to morph into your relationship with Jesus is individual. It's just you and Jesus. In fact, I've talked, I I remember even talking to people and going, yes, it's just me and Jesus. And here's the thing. That is not what the Bible says. Your relationship with Jesus is personal, but is intended to be lived out in community with others. It's personal. It's not individual. Jesus made that very, very clear. And in our mission statement, we say it this way. We exist to exalt God by 
following Jesus together as family, being transformed by his grace. By following Jesus together as family, being transformed by his grace. We are called to follow Jesus together as a family. And as we do that, we will experience the transformation, the inside-out change that Jesus purchased for us on the cross. That's how we experience change and transformation. In fact, I I love how it's put together in Ephesians chapter 4, both of these ideas of change and growth and community. It says this, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This passage, in, in this passage, we see the idea of growing together as family. The Bible gives wonderful metaphors of things like the body of Christ, and it compares it to our physical bodies. And just as we need every part of our body, so we need one another to grow in Christ. That's how God put it together. It is personal, but it's not individual. We are to follow Jesus together as a family. In fact, as we look at the life of Jesus, what we realize is that he emulated this for us. He he lived this out for us. If you look at the Gospels, right, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that tell us really, you know, at least give us a picture of it. It doesn't give every second, every moment of Jesus' life, but it gives us a picture of Jesus' life. When you look at the verses that speak of it, at least half of those instances, Jesus is spending time with just his disciples, just that small group of people. Half of his time. And so that tells me that that was important to him. As he was making disciples, he... He knew that his in-relationships with his disciples were extremely important. And our mission is to make disciples as well. And that happens best together. Together. Which is why we put such an emphasis in this church on our life groups. We believe that a small group environment is the best place to foster your in-relationship and your up-relationship with God in a small group environment. In fact, engaging with others in a small group environment is part of our culture here at Smoky Point. You see, as we live out our purposes, as we live out the mission that God has given us, it begins to become part of the culture of our gathering, of our family. And one of the things that I'm glad, I'm happy, is part of our culture is that a high percentage of us in this church who call this your church home are plugged into some kind of small group, some kind of other uh, um, place where you can engage in growth together. I mean, this is great being together, but your, your, your growth, your, your, your stepping into a relationship with one another only goes so far. We need other people. And I love that many in this church have taken that very personally and have said, I need people in my life. I think um, these guys mentioned earlier, I think, I'm pretty sure it's um, that Bree told me that there, there's 14 families who are off camping this weekend. And, uh, and, and they've developed a relationship over some time uh, in this church, you know, through their commonality of Jesus and, and, and being a part of this church family. 
And many of them have been in life groups together. And, and they've just made a priority of saying, we're going to go away and we're going to camp. And, so, and, it, and it's fine. They're missing church this weekend <laughs> to go be the church as they camp together. And I love that. I celebrate that because they're living out the mission of doing it together. And I, and I don't just preach this stuff and say, you, you should be engaged in, in like a small group. I live this out myself. My group is so important to me in my life. In fact, you, you know, many of you know that I took five months away earlier in this year to just get healthy in my own, you know, life. And, and the only thing, I, I stepped away from every single thing in, in ministry in this church. The only thing I kept doing during that time was my group because it fills me. And we have laughed together and cried together and prayed together and eaten together and grown together. And I need them. And they need me. Because part of the mission is our in relationships with one another because that is where God grows us in our up relationship with him. So let me ask you this question. How are you personally engaged in our in mission? How are you personally engaged in with one another? Jesus displayed an up relationship with his father, an in relationship with his disciples, and an out relationship with this world. Our third key relationship that our purpose, our mission is built around is out to our neighborhoods and the nations. We say it this way in our, in our mission statement, engaging the broken with his love. Engaging the broken with his love. And when you first hear that, it might sound kind of judgy. Engaging the broken with his love? Well, here's what we mean by that. We're broken. I'm broken. Being healed and put together by Jesus and I'm called to go to other broken people with the love of Jesus. Engaging the broken with his love. I, I want to read a passage to you from Jesus' own life and teaching that I think communicates the importance of this. Luke chapter 15, verse 1, and it says this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. How dare he? So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he had lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing, and when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Jesus taught and he demonstrated the importance of engaging in our out relationships with people who do not yet know him. I love that that passage says that sinners 
we're drawn to him. Right? That, that people outside of his sphere of faith and lifestyle were drawn to him. And, and so I guess the natural question is, are, are people, aren't sinners, people outside of your faith and even belief system, are they drawn to you? Are we repelling or compelling with our lives? Hmm. I think we need to think about that because our out relationships are central to our mission. Broken people like me and you reaching out to other broken people with the love of Jesus and celebrating the fact that he and he alone can heal and restore our brokenness. Jesus made our mission very, very clear and concise in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, where he says this. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. One beautiful aspect of our mission, as we engage up in our relationship with God, as we engage in through our relationships with one another, and, and as we engage out in our relationships with the people around us, as we do that, here's what will happen. Some of those people, because you have reached out to them with the love of Christ, will themselves reach up to God. And then will begin for themselves a journey of up, in, and out, living out the mission of God in their own lives. We want that to be our culture as a church of reaching out beyond ourselves. That's part of the mission. Up, in, and out. And I love that our out relationships with the world through people that we have sent and that we support who are serving on the other side of this planet and our out relationships within this, our community around us is, is right at the center of our culture as a church. I mean, right here, right in front of me. We, we've got all this food and snacks and it may look really good and tasty for us, but it's gonna be far better for the students who really need it in our school system. We, over years, we have built a very trusting relationship with the Arlington schools. And they know, they know this church, and they know that we want to care for our community. And they will call us now and say, hey, we have a need. Can your church meet this? There's so many different ways. There's a gazillion, I know that's not a real number, ways in which we are extending our hands into this community in your own life, together as a church. Right next door here in this little red house, every Thursday night people are coming in to the free medical clinic where they're not just getting physical help, but spiritual help. It's part of our culture as a church to care for our community. And my question for you is, how are you personally engaged in our out mission? Are you? 
Our mission is up, in, and out. And I hope that that's clear. Because we must be about this. We have to be about this. If we, and here's the thing. That's the mission part. And if we live out our mission up, in, and out in the power of Holy Spirit, then we believe that our vision will become a reality. And here's our vision as a church. A community set free. A community set free. We believe that as we live out our mission together in the power of the Spirit, that what will result is a community set free. This community that has been set free and the community around us that will experience the freedom that Jesus died for. The prophet Isaiah prophetically wrote words inspired in Scripture that paint a beautiful, beautiful picture of this happening. Listen to these words. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes and the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. There is a spirit of despair in our world today. And they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. What a beautiful picture of what could be, of what will be as we live out our mission. A community set free. Free from the power and the penalty of sin. Free from striving to try and gain God's approval. Free from guilt and fear. Free from emptiness and loneliness. Free from condemnation. Free to a new life in Christ. That's the vision. And and you know, if we had time right here in this service, I know that there are dozens and dozens of stories. You could stand up and say, I've been set free. Here's my story. And I have the story too how I have experienced that kind of freedom in my own life and how I continue to experience that as God continues to grow me and set me free. And I desire, that to, I desire to see that in you. That's what we envision. And, and I envision that happening with people who right now don't even know who Jesus is in this community. That they too would experience freedom. One final area I want to mention is this, is that part of that Freedom, a community set free. Part of being set free is this, to be set free to rest in him. We live in a, in a culture, in a society that has a really hard time resting. We're just always going, 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 striving. And even in our spiritual lives, we can strive and strive and strive and not even know why. But I need you to know that in Christ, we're set free to rest in him. In fact, In fact, part of our culture here in this church is that we have set out a church rhythm where we have a Sabbath week every single month. Hopefully you know that. If you didn't, now you do. 
We have a Sabbath week every month. It's usually, typically, the last week of the month during the week. Our, our, our weekday ministries don't happen. Children's ministries and student ministries and life groups and classes. We don't do those on that last week of the month. And the reason why is because we realize that we are set free to rest in him. And we understand that our culture has a hard time doing it. So as a church, we wanted to set an example for all of us in our own personal lives and say we, this is a huge kind of sacrifice, if you will, to say one out of four is going to be sort of this day when, when we're not, you know, like, we, we, I have to, I got to do this, I got to be at this thing so that we can exercise our freedom to rest in him and to invest in our, relation, our up relationship with God and our in relationships with one another and our out relationships with others. Because I, I can't tell you how many times I've thought this and I've heard people say, you know, I want to have so-and-so over for dinner, but it's just so busy. I, I've been meaning to go over and just engage my neighbor, but there's just so much going on. And so as a church, we've said, the last week of the month, do those things. You're free to do that. Rest in that. Have some people over to eat. There's no obligations here at church. Reach out to your neighbors. There's no obligations here at church. And I pray that that will then begin to flow into your daily and weekly and monthly and yearly routine in life that you realize that you're set free to rest, to rest in him and to find rest and renewal in your relationships with others. A community set free is our vision. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> I, I have to say this. That a mission and a vision statement are, are simply that. They're just statements. <laughs> They're just words on a website. <laughs> right? It's just words on a website. You can put it in, you know, on a program. You can you know, put it up on the wall. They're just words. But what we desire is that these statements would become our shared heartbeat and that they would be fleshed out in our day-to-day -day lives. So they wouldn't just be words, they would be the reality of who we are as a church, that we are on mission and that we are seeing the vision become a reality of a community set free. But in order for that to happen, it means that each and every one of us need to engage in that. Right? Because we can't just say the church's mission is as if it's somehow a corporate thing that like we just sort of do, like the guy up front sort of makes it happen. No, no, no. The church is us. It's you and me. It's all followers of Christ. And so in order for that to, mission to actually be engaged in, it means you need to be engaged in it. And I need to be engaged in it. In all three of those aspects, up, in, and out. And so let me ask you just one more time. How are you personally engaging in the mission? Maybe one or two of those areas you go, I'm not. Well, I challenge you and I encourage you to engage. There's many ways to engage in that. And we want to help you do that so that together we can begin to live out to its fullest the mission God has given us. And I believe that as we do that, as we do that with all of our hearts, that God will indeed renew and revive his people and his church and do a new thing. And we will see the vision become a reality.
of a community set free. Would you stand up with me, family? Our band is going to come up here. And I want to just remind you that Jesus is the source of our mission and he is the ultimate end of our mission. Okay, we only have our mission because Jesus paid for it on the cross and he gave it to us and he said, I will give you my spirit to empower the mission to become a reality. And here's the cool thing, is he didn't just give us the mission and give us his spirit to live out the mission. He is the end of the mission. When it's all said and done, what's the end, the finish line, is Jesus and being with him forever. And so I can't think of a better way for us to respond to this mission or to this message on our mission and vision than to focus our attention on Jesus because he's what it's all about. He's at the very center of our mission. And so we're going to do that through partaking in communion today. In just a few moments, the band is going to sing, and you're going to have an opportunity, if you'd like to, to um, come up and and take the elements. And I I just want to encourage you as we worship that you would go to one of these stations. There's two up here in the front, and there's two in the back. You make your way to one of those tables, and you take uh, the bread, you take the cup, and go back to your seat. And before you do anything, I want to ask you to just sit with that for a moment or stand with that for a few moments and just reflect on Jesus. His life, his death, his resurrection that made it possible for you to even have an up relationship. That makes it even possible for you to have intimate in relationships with one another in Christ. And that makes it even possible for there to be any effectiveness out into this world. And I want you to think about him and reflect on him and what he's done for you. And, and then when you're ready, go ahead and eat the bread and drink the cup remembering his body and his blood that was given for you. That's how we're going to respond to the message today. And I pray that that response of the heart would also ultimately become a response of our heart in being on mission. And if you don't know how to engage, ask us. We want to help you engage in every aspect because this is who God has called us to be. And we're not going to shut our doors and say, we forgot why we're here. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you are at the very center of our mission. That you loved us so much that you gave your life because that was the only way that we could even have an up relationship restored. And thank you for doing that. I pray that we remember that and we partake in communion today. And Jesus, you also gave us your spirit so that we might be able to live out a relationship with our Father, so that we might be able to live out relationships, meaningful, significant, life-changing relationships with one another, and so that we might effectively reach into our community with the love of Jesus. And I just pray, God, that as a result, as you live out your mission in us, I pray that you would bring out the vision, that you'd make it real, that people would be set free. We want to celebrate that over and over and over again to your glory because the ultimate end of all of this is to exalt you. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.